GitHub has been a social network for developers for many years. Most social networks are centered around mobile applications, but GitHub sits squarely in a developer's browser-based desktop workflow, and as a result, the design of a mobile app for GitHub is less straightforward. GitHub did acquire a popular mobile client called GitHawk, which was developed by Ryan Nystrom. And since joining GitHub, Ryan has worked on a new mobile app for GitHub, along with a team of engineers, including Brian Lovin. Ryan and Brian both joined the show to discuss GitHub Mobile and how they designed, architected, and built the app. There is no company quite like GitHub. It's a social network combined with a version control system that provides a critical utility to companies across the world. And all of this made for an interesting episode about a one-of-a-kind mobile product. We are looking for writers. If you are interested in writing for Software Engineering Daily, send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. We are paying for some of these opportunities. And I'm also looking for companies to invest in. If you are running an infrastructure company and you're interested in raising capital for it or something targeted at developers, send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. Ryan and Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. There is now a GitHub app for mobile, a official GitHub app for mobile. So my first question is pretty obvious. Why didn't this happen sooner? <laughs> you know, it actually kind of did. Back in like 2012, I believe, GitHub released and open sourced an Android client. To be honest, I don't know like the whole story, but at the end, it just didn't take off as much. GitHub.com, like product development cycles, those did take off and it was just harder to kind of keep things up to date. Not a whole bunch of Android users. There wasn't an iOS counterpart yet. They did kind of fork out GitHub like SDKs. Uh, there was like a native SDK, OctoKit, maybe. I think an Android one, et cetera. And there have been other attempts at like building uh, a mobile app the mobile site has gotten like responsive design and whatnot but you know i think it was just a right place at the right time that this opportunity opened up for us were there internal debates around actually marshalling the resources around getting a mobile app i mean on both android and ios were there internal debates about it as far as whether to do it or not or whether to hire or yeah, wh whether to do it, how to do it, why to do it. I mean, I've only been here a year, but like just scrubbing through some of the old posts and c chats and conversations and stuff, it definitely seems like there was a lot of internal conversation about it. Whether to do it, when to do it, who to do it, etc. Describe the workflows where a mobile app is actually useful. I think most people think of GitHub as a desktop-centric application. My thinking on this has evolved a bunch, and Brian, I'm definitely going to want to hear your take on this too. When we started, I was thinking, so I, I came to GitHub, um, having previously worked on an open source app called GitHawk, where I was really focused on notification management, where you know I wanted to avoid the scenario where I get to my desktop, I open up github.com slash notifications, and I see like 300 notifications that are going to take me the next two hours of my time to sift through. Whereas there's a lot of times I'm out and about, I'm waiting for a cup of coffee, I'm taking the bus, that I can actually go through a whole bunch of notifications, maybe get rid of some noise, and maybe leave like the most meaty, important ones for when I'm back at my, at my desk. 
And I thought that was like the main use case. We would filter out notifications, maybe open up a, an issue, you leave a comment that says you're going to look into it later, and then you put your phone away and you're done. What's actually been interesting in launching this app is people do people want to do a lot more than just respond to stuff. To my surprise, after launching the apps, the app's been live, uh, we're mid-June, about three months now. The number one action that people are taking in our app is actually reviewing code. And I still struggle to like understand because sometimes I'm reviewing code from peers and you know, it's a small, I'm using like a, a, a Pro Max iPhone here. And even with this gigantic uh, mobile screen, sometimes it's kind of hard to read. But I think that speaks to the power that this gives people to be able to be walking around, get a ping from a peer that's like, hey, do you mind reviewing my code really quick? Seeing like a 20 line change and being able to leave a review, not just approve it or ask for changes, but even comment on individual lines of code to evaluate or review somebody's changes. Yeah, I'm still kind of like blown away that that's what people are spending their most most of their time doing in our app. Are there specific workflows that you would like to have on mobile, but they're just too difficult to implement on mobile? Yeah, there's a lot. So I mean, GitHub is over a decade old. So there's just like tons of stuff that already exists that we want to to think about how it should fit into the mobile app. Some stuff that we're starting to think about now is around like, what happens if you're not super active with notifications? Or what if you're not like a power open source maintainer? What does the app look like for you? And so some areas we're exploring are like the more social side, like how do you discover cool projects? How do you explore what's happening on GitHub and like drill down into the source code? Is there any ways that we could replace that like gut instinct to check Twitter when you're waiting in line at the coffee shop to check GitHub and actually like learn something like read a tutorial or dig into some source and see some interesting patterns that people are are using in a language that you're interested in. So I would say that's where we're we're exploring right now. As far as like features and workflows that we want to unblock, it's basically the entire collaboration to merging code workflow. So can you comment on things? Can you read a discussion happening around a particular pull request or issue? Can you review the code, approve it, request changes? When a pull request is ready to go, can you tap that merge button and see it merge in and know that checks and CI is kicking off in the background to deploy it? So if we can get that full end-to-end system working, then everything around that we can start to make more exciting and interesting for people who might not necessarily be working on a project right now. I think that Slack was out of left field in how it impacted GitHub workflows. Is it relevant to this conversation, the conversation around developing a GitHub mobile application that Slack has emerged in recent years? Do Are there any workflows in GitHub that actually are Slack-centric, therefore you don't need to think about them as much in developing a GitHub mobile app? Well, it's kind of interesting that how much Slack ends up getting used at GitHub to build GitHub. There's a lot of integrations that people are using like chat ops and bots in order to maybe deploy something or check status on something or automate something. We're even in the middle of of discussing ourselves as a mobile team about building better bots to be able to automatically deploy our apps to like app stores or beta builds just from uh, the Slack, basically treating Slack as like a command line. So as you said, Eight years ago, there was a GitHub mobile app for Android, 
and the project was eventually no longer maintained. It got released to the public. In between those eight years, when you know, between the initial GitHub effort at mobile applications and uh, today, what changed? What were the most influential changes on the platform? <laughs> You're asking two newbies. <laughs> <laughs> well, like for instance, I think like within between now and eight years ago, I, I'd have to check the actual timeline, but I think like pull requests became a thing between like now and eight years ago, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. One of the engineers on our mobile team, she's been at GitHub for like four, four and a half years. And early in her tenure at GitHub, she built like pull request reviews and like review requests, which to think of that being only like a couple, a single digit year old feature is like mind blowing to me because it's such a staple of what GitHub is today. I mean, the amount of stuff that's been launched on GitHub in the past eight years is kind of mind blowing. I mean, some of the like primitives we're used to, but also all the Explore stuff that Brian was talking about, being able to surface new things, all the new things that we're announcing, like at Satellite and Universe this year, with discussions, with sponsors, um, so many community tools. Brian, you look like you were... I would add actions to that list. Like actions feels like this one big piece of work that is unblocking you to do anything from GitHub and trust GitHub to be doing it in the background, like processing and automating code reviews and linting and CI and CD, like all of that entire platform is enabling you to sort of plug into all different steps of the software development life cycle, as we would say. So that one feels kind of like the a critical one for me. And actually that is kind of the cool thing that has made the mobile app great is you can merge a pull request on mobile and just trust that in the background, all sorts of stuff is kicking off if you have action set up for CI and CD. So we we do that all the time, right? Like we we can merge a pull request and, and know that work is happening in the background and I don't have to be at my computer to sort of verify that or run another script from a command line or do anything else. How did the Microsoft acquisition of GitHub affect the development process for the mobile app? I, I realize... Again, you guys are newer, but do you have any perspective for how Microsoft acquiring GitHub has affected the overall product direction of the company? I think I would say that maybe, I mean, Brian mentioned Actions. Actions, I feel like, has a, has a really great story with, with Microsoft. Microsoft has got a pretty awesome um, CI and CD offering with Azure DevOps, uh, App Center, and more. So I, I'm sure that behind the scenes, there were some conversations about GitHub has a, has a huge opportunity to add more value with actions. As far as mobile goes, you know, Microsoft's got, to be honest, like kind of a really impressive mobile apps. Outlook is one of the first ones that comes to my mind. Uh, I think Outlook is, you know, it's just known as like email and it's been around for like a thousand years. But the mobile team, both engineering and design, does like excellent, excellent work. When we first started, Brian and I actually, when we were both in New York, we met up with the Outlook team and started talking about like, how do you do things? How do you work? Let's talk about design systems. Let's talk about engineering principles. So there's maybe a little bit of influence there, but uh, for the most part, what's actually been kind of fun working on mobile at GitHub, but honestly, just working at GitHub is it does feel pretty autonomous. We're more or less able to kind of make our own product decisions, design language. Uh, our own technology solutions. 
we were using App Center at the beginning and then decided to kind of simplify and move things to actions and uh, just test flight or the Google beta program. You know, Microsoft, we partnered with them, gave feedback and, and talked about like what worked, what didn't work. And it was a great partnership, but it wasn't necessarily, I think from the outside, you might think, oh, Microsoft's taking over and they're going to tell you what to do and how to do it. And it's actually not like that at all. It's very collaborative with a, a ton of our own autonomy. We've given the high-level overview of the impetus for building a mobile client and the context. So let's start talking through the design process. What was the product design process for determining... I mean, GitHub is kind of a, a -a one-of-a-kind app. It's not like there's well-defined templates for how to build an app for a Git-driven social network, except for GitHawk, which you had done before this. But tell me about the product design process. How did you start to lay out how this was going to work? So I guess you could think of it as like we're, we're going through all of the possible workflows that happen on github.com, the 10 plus years of features that have been built. And we're trying to think about what actually makes sense on a phone. And when you think about what makes sense on a phone, you're considering where a person might be when they're on their phone, like they might be away from their computer. You might consider what the phone actually unlocks you to do that a traditional browser wouldn't be able to do, or at least not easily, like push notifications. So if you combine those things, you sort of land naturally in the space of like, okay, there's notification triage, there's like conversations. I wanna know when, when work's happening when I'm away from my computer, or if someone needs my attention very quickly, can I unblock them while I'm away from my computer? Like trying to break this connection to have your your laptop on you 24 seven. So that ended up getting us to where we are now, which is really deep in like issue and pull request, workflows, notifications, and then search to like actually just get around. And those are the three tabs that we have. So we, home helps you sort of find your stuff on GitHub, get into the conversations that are happening, like find the projects that you're working on notifications is like helping you drill down and unblock people and just know what's going on. So that's really how we started. Like what does the mobile phone unlock through sensors and APIs? And then what actually makes sense for people to do while they're away from their computer? I think if we keep following that line of logic, there's still quite a lot we can do, but we have to be pretty selective because GitHub has so much stuff. Like I think we run a risk of just rebuilding all of GitHub inside a mobile app and like we've cluttered the interface and it's not actually clear what it's for. Like, is it a companion? Is it a duplication? How does this work with the desktop app or the CLI? Like, what am I supposed to use to do which thing? So I think we're still being pretty careful about like what workflows do we want to think about and it's evolving. We're talking about like explore and discovery and and how do you help people discover the right projects to work on or learn a new programming language. Like those are things that make sense and seem interesting for somebody to do as a replacement for, I don't know, scrolling Twitter or something like that. So I guess it's not concrete. We're evolving it, but certainly how it started was looking at complementary behaviors to what is possible on a browser. I want to add to what Brian was saying too. I think something, a principle that we've had pretty early on acknowledging how complex of a product GitHub is, is that like we actually have to have a really strong opinion of what the mobile app should be. And that's actually been really fun for us is to take all of the complications, uh, all of the different products and nuances and workflows in GitHub and to just drill it down to like, what should it be in the phone? And to just design ideally like one way to do something 
So like a good example would be like how you, you leave a review on a pull request. Behind the scenes, there's a bunch of different ways that you can actually do that. And different teams have different workflows. And while I would love to be able to build and support every single workflow, some of them are kind of complicated and unintuitive on a small screen. And so we just set off to say, you know what, we're just going to do this one way, the way we think is right. Um, and we're going to put it out there. And we have to fully acknowledge that some of the time we're going to get it wrong and we have gotten it wrong and we, we will get it wrong again. But I think taking like a, a firm stance on like what we should build and uh, more importantly, what we shouldn't build has led us to success thus far. How are you leveraging your experience creating GitHawk when you were building the GitHub mobile app? I'm leveraging it pretty hard. I mean, a, a lot of the kind of fundamentals and discovery of, of building that app uh, applied to the new app. I and mean, we've made some foundational architecture and technology choices like GraphQL. We've leaned into GraphQL really, really hard. I, when I was working on it pretty much uh, by myself, I was uh, from the design side, really didn't want to stray away from like the system design language. You know, I wanted it was an iOS app. I wanted it to feel like an iOS app. I want it to be basically like the settings app, but spruced up a little bit so that the most novice GitHub or iOS user could pick, pick up their phone, open the app and immediately know what to do. We brought that philosophy to not only our new iOS app, but also our Android app. And so all of the designs, almost all the designs we're using in the app feel like a native app. I mean, it is a native app, but like we want it to really feel and, and look the part. And there have been a bunch of other core technology choices that I think we've, we've made. Most importantly, it's just been like our decision-making principles. We try to keep things simple. We try not to over-engineer. It's more important to like iterate, ship something really quickly, learn from our users, fix things going forward, and not be afraid to like take risks when... When GitHawk was like my own little hobby project, there was a lot of stuff that I just like hacked together and shipped and found out that people hated. And then we just deleted it and we moved on. And even though we're a team of more than a dozen engineers now, I want to like continue doing that. I want to continue building stuff, trying things, taking some risks, learning from our users as we go. As far as the technology choices for building mobile apps, it seems like you could have used... React Native. I mean, how much complexity is there really in a mobile application and why not just simplify it and make it cross-platform? But you did not use React Native. You guys built native mobile applications. Why is that? So I've been building native iOS apps since like 2010 or 2011. Before I came to GitHub, I spent about five years working at Instagram, um, mostly as an engineer while I was there. And, you know, React Native was built by Facebook. I saw a lot of awesome uses of React Native. I saw it evolve. I saw it grow. I also saw some of the costs to like an engineering organization. And I think if you, if you go all in and you really know what you're doing, you can make a really great React Native experience. I, quite frankly, have never written a single line of React in my entire life. So if I, as like the sole founding engineer uh, and lead of this team, decided to you know jump headfirst into a tech that I have no idea how to use appropriately, I, I would have probably set us up for failure. I have to acknowledge the cost, I guess, of having native iOS engineers and native Android engineers. But I knew that we were able to achieve our mission of shipping a high, high quality iOS and Android app 
faster using the tech I know and by going out and finding other people that know their native tech stack really well. I am not super knowledgeable here on, on the tech stack. And I know React Native has gotten quite a bit better. I, I first played with it in 2018. It's moving quickly. It's getting better. But like I think it's worth calling out that it's WWDC week when we're recording this. And there's something very liberating about being able to watch a platform stream like this or like IO and seeing new platform APIs and being able to very quickly intuit what you're going to get for free, what's going to be possible and not having to think like one layer of abstraction around that. Like, okay, how's React Native going to handle that specific thing? So, you know, there's costs. Like we have two platforms, two separate teams of engineers, but there's also this benefit that we get so many platform features out of the gate and it certainly earlier than React Native might be able to support them. Is that right, Ryan? Am I articulating that correct? You're the expert here. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, you're spot on. There are a variety of different development platforms now for clients that are on different services. So you've got the desktop website, you've got mobile applications, there's GitHub Desktop. And I would imagine there are that can make the endpoint management somewhat complex because you have to have perhaps mobile endpoints, you have to have you have to set up specific endpoints, or maybe you can just use GraphQL for everything. Tell me about how the endpoint management works when you have these different surfaces. I mean, yeah, you kind of answered the question. We use GraphQL for everything. Almost 100% of the iOS and Android app uses GraphQL, except for a select number of, of endpoints. End of the day, we're an OAuth application, just like any other app that you can make for GitHub. We use the public API. We have some kind of like feature preview things that we're using before we actually publish the APIs. And we've done that in the past, and we'll continue doing it, of creating new APIs for the mobile app and then polishing them up and shipping them uh, and making those APIs available for public use. So I also manage the, the desktop and client, sorry, command line teams here at GitHub. And those teams are also using like a mix of, of REST APIs and GraphQL. We have people that work on the mobile team that actually 100% focus on supporting or adding API support to our app. And that's been huge. I think GraphQL has more or less let client engineers be their own API engineers and create and define queries to fetch the data that they need instead of having to lobby or put in a ticket with a, a server engineer who goes and builds an API and then publishes it and having to do that coordination. But there's still sometimes stuff that we need in the GraphQL API that either doesn't exist or doesn't totally work as we uh, need it to, you know, ultimately focusing on what the user experience is. So having somebody on our team dedicated to adding that support, also most importantly, looking into security, authentication issues, and those sort of things has been invaluable. What are the things that you need out of perhaps the legacy backend that are not supported by GraphQL? Or have you, have you had to rewrite the GraphQL endpoint at all to include certain legacy infrastructure? Probably the most challenging, I'm trying to think, probably the most challenging API change that we've made thus far is with files and dealing with like Git objects. So at its core, those are, we have abstractions. Um, so github.com's built in Ruby on Rails. But we have abstractions over top of actual like Git core object types. And when we want to display a file, when we want to syntax highlight some code, we first have to have a branch. We have to have a commit. 
And then we have to have a file path. And once we reach that path, we're going to have a Git object that we maybe want to interact with, load the contents of, view the history of. In order to do those things, we end up having to add API support to basically Git. That's been pretty challenging. I mean, even to like render a markdown file as like styled markdown gets pretty complicated. So one specific element of designing the application, and this is a design question for basically any mobile application, is that of notifications. So github.com, I often feel like I'm drowning in notifications. And so I imagine figuring out how to design around notifications for the for the mobile application has its own set of thorny issues. Tell me about how to get notifications right in the design. It's very hard. Probably don't have it perfect. Like there's just too many different ways that people use notifications. So we're trying to build a set of behaviors and, and like interactions that will let people at least find the things that they care about most quickly and get rid of the things that they don't care about very quickly. So I mean, one obvious example is like you can just swipe things away. Like you can just kind of just swipe, 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 swipe and kind of clear out your inbox. We've also worked with the github.com team to build out filters. You can jump to a specific set of notifications by repository or by the reason the notification was triggered. Like, was it triggered because you were mentioned as a team reviewer, because you were mentioned by name, or because you've at some point clicked subscribe on a particular issue and there's been new activity in there? It's like, how can we get you into those filtered views as quickly as possible? We're working right now on some more tools to help you clear out an inbox faster, like being able to bulk triage, just being able to select a whole bunch of notifications at once, mark them as done, and move on. And then I would add, we've been very, very careful about push notifications because we just know there's too many people that get too much stuff. If we enabled push notifications for everything out of the gate, nobody would use the app. It'd be a gigantic nightmare. So our philosophy has been, you have to opt in to push notifications, and then you're going to have to opt in to each type of push notification that is important to you. Luckily for us right now, the only type we support is direct mentions. So that's pretty easy. If you turn on notifications, you get direct mentions. But eventually, you know, you can, we'll be able to support more push types, like what happens when someone uh, assigns you an issue or requests your review on a pull request. You'll be able to opt in to those specific sets of push notifications and really control the content that you care about. And then the last thing that is on our mind, which we are working on, hopefully, hopefully come soon. We're trying to think about, there are lots of people who use GitHub as part of their day job. This is like a nine to five. They log into GitHub because they're doing work that they're being paid to do. And outside of those hours, they don't want to check GitHub. They don't want to be pinged for this kind of stuff. So we've been thinking high level, like what does it look like to just tell GitHub, hey, I work during these hours. It's safe to tell me about new development activity happening on GitHub within these hours. But outside of that, I don't really care. So we're calling this working hours. You'll be able to define that in the app. It'll be per day. So you can say Monday through Friday, I work nine to five, Saturday and Sunday. I don't want to hear anything at all. And we'll we'll silence those push notifications in the background given that schedule. So it's not quite do not disturb. It's a little bit of the inverse. It's like these are the times where, yes, you can send me things. And every time else, we'll silence it. But it doesn't impact the rest of your applications on your phone uh, with do not disturb. Nice. I mean, it is useful because that's, you know, GitHub is kind of a one of these things. It's sort of like Slack where it's like prosumer. You know, it's a productivity tool. It's also a consumer tool. I can imagine wanting to see push notifications from something that 
you're a casual follower of, but uh, not wanting to see push notifications from something work-related. So I can imagine needing that really fine-grained notification management there to, to create the right experience, depending on how you happen to use GitHub. Are there any other design decisions that come to mind when you when you think about this is like, is this a productivity tool? Is it for work? Is it a consumer application? Dealing with those blurry lines in what GitHub is. I think this is an interesting question. This is something that Ryan and I are grappling with daily, which is GitHub has a lot of developers that use the platform. Within developers, we have a wide range of types of developers. You have your open source maintainers. We have new developers, people who are learning for the first time. We have super experienced, hardcore people, but maybe they just work for an enterprise organization. But then we also recognize that there's lots of other people involved in the software development process. We have designers, we have PMs, we have data scientists and researchers, we have executives and leadership teams and managers. Like All of these different people expect different kinds of things out of GitHub. And that explains a lot of features you see, like projects, right? Like how do I organize all of this work that's happening within a repository? So that's what Ryan and I are thinking about right now is within developers, there's this huge variety of people and and ways they might work. And then outside of developers, like we can see those sort of, I guess you would say personas, that type of person, a, a PM or a designer becoming a lot more common on GitHub and becoming more comfortable being involved in the software development process. So we got to think about what tools those people need, what information they care about, how do we help them get to it most quickly, whether it's notifications, issues, projects, like other kinds of things like that. How do we help them get to where they can be actionable as quickly as possible? And something too that I think is is really important to us is that you know we, we launched the first version of this app mostly as like a productivity tool. When you got done triaging notifications, when you got done reviewing pull requests, there was nothing else really to do in the app. And that was by design. We didn't really want, you know, that was the purpose of the app. We didn't really want you to do too much else. We're now starting to experiment a little bit with like explore or what could trending, surfacing trending repositories or people or whatever in the app look like. But it is kind of important to us that we don't ever want this to become uh, an endless feed, an endlessly scrolling feed of like stuff. It's not our mission to keep people's eyeballs attached to their phone consuming GitHub content. It's more important for us to enable people to discover more repositories and communities that they can collaborate to and then start collaborating or to give them more important, actionable things that they're able to do, or even let them define maybe their own app experience by customizing things, adding shortcuts or actions or whatever, and not get into the realm of like endlessly scrolling lists, because that's not really what GitHub is at its core. And I I think that's something that we're really excited about helping people get their work done faster from anywhere and less about time spent in the app or something. There are many CI/CD workflows that center around GitHub. Did CI/CD fit into the product design of GitHub Mobile? It has not so much yet. If I'm being honest, I think there's a lot of opportunity and room for improvement there. I've already found myself, even as we speak, we have like a, a one of our builds is breaking on iOS. And all I want is to be able to flip open my iPad and jump into the logs maybe cancel it, rerun it, see if it's a flaky test, download artifacts and sift through that. But I, I really can't yet. I kind of can on, on .com from my phone or from my iPad, but not as easily. I would love to eventually see a world where you could manage 
your runs from your phone. I think it's actually very possible. And yeah, I actually think the experience would be pretty good. Whereas before I thought like an endless stream of logs uh, might be kind of insane. I think that we could actually def- build like a, a pretty fun experience. Yeah, I think we got to be careful because you could, I could imagine a world where like you could get a push notification about a failed build on a pull request that you just opened. And the cool thing about that is you could open a PR on your computer, walk away, go do something and get a ping on your phone if it's merging or not or failing. I just wanted to call out like one principle that we've had. And I think we're doing pretty good here. I'd say we're pretty close to 100% coverage is we can't support every possible workflow. So on every view, we give people a share button so that they can sort of eject out into their default browser on Android or iOS. Ejecting out into Safari where, yes, the mobile website shows you logs and you can have buttons to rerun actions, stuff that we haven't built natively, as long as people have the ability to have that escape hatch and, and finish a workflow from the browser, then we're comfortable sort of buying ourselves some time to really think through what is the subset of that that should exist natively. With any mobile application, there is, of course, the issue of offline mode. So desktop application, you don't need to really worry about that because, you know, you go to the website at 404 as if you're offline. So do you have an offline mode for the mobile application or do you just kind of ignore that case? Uh, It's great timing because we've been uh, internal debate about what the future of offline for our app should be. And we haven't entirely decided where we want to take things, but I think the hard part is that GitHub really is like a social network. And that social network has an object graph that is being mutated probably thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times per second. So having the latest, if we are caching stuff offline, having the latest up-to-date data at all times is probably not going to be possible. Also because in our app, we allow you to kind of endlessly link into users and repos and issues and pull requests. And the rabbit hole is infinitely deep. And so keeping that data updated and in sync as you're browsing the app is going to be like impossible if we're supporting fully offline so I think there's always going to be an online component that's going to be required. Otherwise, we don't also want to mislead the user by thinking, oh, I'm offline, I'm opening my repository, but maybe that hasn't been fetched or updated in a couple of days. You're now on the airplane and you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, why are my star counts out of date? Or I swear there was a pull request over this one about this one feature and now it's not showing up. And there's ways from the design side that we can handle it. But I'm not sure that's going to be super valuable to users. And where I think this could get really interesting is if we eventually started doing stuff with file systems, um, with actually fetching the contents of Git repositories, or maybe allowing you to like fetch repo contents and view them offline. But I think in offline by default, I'm not necessarily sold that it will will support that. Yeah, I'm more interested in solving like the the problems that arise on the edges of offline, which is like, oh, you're driving and you go through a tunnel and you lose connection for a few seconds. Like, how do we make sure that any work that's happening on your device gets enqueued or persisted in some way? So you're not losing data if if network disconnects or you have spotty network. We have users all around the world on various network strengths and qualities and different types of phones. And like, we should be very considerate about their experience on unreliable networks 
or with networks where large data payloads actually cost them money, like people who are on prepaid phones and things like that. So I, I want to design really considerate features around the edges of that offline. But then, yeah, to what Ryan said, like, how do we go fully offline is, is a harder problem. Yeah, I would love to be able to uh, be on the airplane, open my phone and file maybe like three or four issues that I, you know, I think of features that maybe we should add to the app or bugs that maybe I found um, and then put my phone away. And then when the plane lands and I, I take my phone off of airplane mode, that behind the scenes, those automatically get posted and filed. I think something like that would be great and, and something we could definitely do. The development of GitHub Mobile started more than a year ago. And I'm sure the team has developed over time. What has been the process of scaling up the development workforce and allocating work and synchronizing work between those different teams, given that it's cross-platform? It's been pretty wild. It started, so I joined GitHub May 28th. At that time, Brian and I were both living in New York. and 2019. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> not a month <laughs> not, ago. Yeah. Not this year. <laughs> Thank you. It was just the two of us. I was doing development. Brian was doing design. And, and since then, we staffed up, I, I think we have 13 engineers now, uh, seven on iOS five on Android, and then one person working on the back end, um, as well as two managers, two designers, two product managers. I think that's the full team. To go from literally the two of us to that large of, I mean, an actual like organization in like 12 months has been, been pretty wild. Just like code, uh, I think that it's important to never get too attached to your process uh, or how you do things. Process, I think, should always be reevaluated. It should be experimented. It should be iterated on. It should be changed. It should be reverted. I'm classically terrible at project management. I can't stand it. I'm terrible at it. And what's been great is that I've been able to acknowledge that with the team and let the team kind of bring their own ideas. We frequently hold retrospectives on our own process, how a particular app update went or a feature development went. And we kind of extract the things that worked really well and the things that didn't work really well. Most recently, I've been experimenting with actually using GitHub Actions to improve like our actual development process by automatically closing things, keeping issues in sync, kind of like manipulating stuff, leaving comments, adding labels, et cetera. And that's been pretty useful, but it's, it's an ongoing process. And probably a year from now, it's going to look entirely different. Have there been any deeply difficult engineering challenges that we haven't covered? Or is it more of like a set of product design challenges? It does seem like more of a design-heavy set of problems rather than engineering-heavy set of problems. Probably the most complicated engineering problem we have in our app is actual markdown rendering and support. It's gone through a couple different iterations and designs and refactors, and there's still room for improvement, I think. But you know, GitHub... One, GitHub supports Markdown, which is complicated. Um, and behind the scenes, it's taking Markdown and converting it into HTML that we then display on issues on .com. But in addition to that, GitHub has what they call a GitHub-flavored Markdown, which allows you to do a bunch of other stuff. There's a subset of HTML elements that we support that also have a subset of HTML element attributes that we support. And at first, I thought, like, hey, we can just rewrite the spec and do all of the handling ourselves. That turned out to be super complicated. And so we experimented with rendering comments and web views and all sorts of things. That is also kind of like always evolving and, and being improved upon. 
Do you think in the limit people want to write code on their phone? How much of the development workflow do you think will move to the phone? You know, when we started, I thought never, absolutely never anybody would ever want to write code. But now I want to. Now I... I <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because Ryan lives on his iPad. So I, I would I would almost flip this. It's like less about the phone and just like more about not a desktop because there's just lots of devices that are outside of a, a laptop or a desktop that kind of makes sense. The iPad certainly feels like a more clear candidate here just because of the bigger screen and like we're getting better external keyboards with external trackpads. Like that kind of stuff makes this feel... It's bridging the gap a little bit more smoothly, so... But yeah, the phone, it seems like there's just such a small subset of things you'd actually want to do. Like, yeah, you could tweak a markdown file or like fix some typos, but writing fully fledged code and committing files, like, I don't know, but maybe we'll get there. <laughs> but it, on the phone, that seems like more of a stretch. Has building the GitHub mobile app given you any other newfound perspectives on how software engineering might change in the future? It's really shown me how much I actually don't need a computer to do software development and not software development as in writing code, because uh, as it stands, at least for the nature of our work right now, building mobile apps, like I need a computer to write code. But a lot of our job as a team is not necessarily writing code. It's communicating with each other on Slack. It's writing issues. It's responding to people. It's reviewing code. It's brainstorming. It's hopping on Zoom to collaborate and discuss a new idea. And what's been really interesting, especially in this like COVID world that we're in, I found a lot of value in just like getting outside and, and trying to like work in different environments, being kind of cooped up in an apartment for three plus months now. It's been really great to be able to take my phone, take my iPad, go out into the lawn um, away from everybody, away from my apartment and, you know, just keep working, keep taking meetings, review code for like an hour. And that's actually changed my perspective on like what it means to be a software developer. And it's also a little bit liberating to, you know, not necessarily be in the office, not be, you know, the corporate office or my home office and still be able to build things with other people. I think it's really, really exciting. What are the upcoming features for GitHub on mobile that you're focused on right now? Some of the big ones, I mean, Brian talked a little bit about the notification support. I think it's, that's pretty important to us right now. One of the big ones that we are committed to, to reaching at least a V1 of support by the end of the year would be GitHub Enterprise support. And GitHub has a ton of, of large customers that use on-premises installs of GitHub Enterprise to build, build apps, to build their tools, to just run their software development teams. Some of these companies, you know, have tens of thousands of employees, and we really want to find a way so that those people can also, just as much as the open source, open source or GitHub Enterprise cloud uh, users have been able to use our app to build and collaborate on software, we want to do the same for on-premises customers. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to add about where you see GitHub going or what changes you anticipate around the social network for developers? I think we're seeing just more and more this liberation from the laptop and the desktop. And I think if we project out, you can just imagine the workflows we've talked about becoming better and smoother and faster around triaging and collaborating, reviewing, discovering. I think we can just go so deep there 
I'm excited also about like the massive amount of people who have yet to discover GitHub and who aren't developers yet and what role can GitHub help in like finding them projects to learn from and contribute to overall, just build more software, better, faster, more securely. It's like this really virtuous cycle that I think we can speed up and make it feel a lot more fluid away from a computer because not everybody has $5,000 MacBooks. Like if we can put that on a phone, we unlock a lot of software development capabilities for a lot more people. So it's a little high level and vague and maybe maybe a little fluffy answer, but that really is how we're, how we're approaching this. Like we can see a lot more activity happening on mobile apps over time and as people transition to just not needing that keyboard all the time. All right, guys. Well, thank you for so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and congrats on expanding GitHub to another set of services. Can I ask you a question before we go? Uh, please. What do you think of the mobile apps? I think they're functional and I think they do <laughs> what they should. That's a compliment. I, I love like, it. No, that's that's what we want to hear. I mean, I think you don't want to go overboard and you shouldn't on the early iterations of it because you just want to be parsimonious with that design space. What do you think we should build next? Where I would try to think about going would be kind of like how Facebook broke itself into multiple apps. I think you eventually need to break up GitHub into multiple apps. I don't think you can get it all in one app. What's an example? Like what's a split split off? CICD. App that comes, CICD. Right? I mean, am I wrong? Maybe. We're thinking about there's just a ton of stuff. How is it all going to fit in? How is it going to be organized and not like I don't want to become the overflow tab on the Facebook app, which is like literally a list of a hundred sub apps that all exist within Facebook. Like, <laughs> Where is that? Go, I want to find that right open now. Open Facebook and click on the that hamburger button in the tab bar and just okay. scroll away, my friend. And that's hard. Like Feature discoverability and prominence and organization is hard. So yeah, multiple apps is interesting. Oh. I think certainly in the short term, we can find better ways to organize and, and surface the right things. You know, I was wondering where Messenger Kids was hiding. <laughs> now you got it. There you go. <laughs> Does that sound realistic? Have you guys talked at all about having multiple apps? I think we've talked about more about how do we help people get to the things that they actually care about. In the design workshops, I don't know if we could actually say anything concrete there, but I think that's the more interesting problem is like, of all the things, we can probably get better at figuring out what, what a given person cares about within their role of building software. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Thanks a lot for having us. Thanks. Thanks.